Today, we're going to meet the author of a brilliant New World Guide to Animal Medicine that's become one of my top 10 favorite books and a go-to guide in my library. Hi, it's Cheryl Sitz here with a brand new Conscious Conversation on Exploring Possibilities, broadcasting on journeyofpossibilities.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube slash Cheryl Sitz. Our guest, Lori Morrison, will join us right after a word from Mario Rosales. Mario, would you take just a moment to talk to our listeners about how you can help them? Everything from website development to teaching them how they can do it on their own and so much more to increase their online presence. Well, thanks, Cheryl. One of the things that I can help with, when you have a website, you know what you want. You want where that graphic is or you know what text you want to update. That's one of the parts that I can help you with. How many times has a web developer given you a high bill for something that you think is pretty easy? I have various type of programs, and I am very flexible in working with how to create a program that works for you. For example, I can do the work for you. That's one. But really, I love empowering you as the user because I know you know what you like. I can show you how to do that modification on that website. And we can have even a hybrid program where I can show you or some of them you give them to me. And we have a monthly fee on those. So there's a lot of different ways. Yes, I can do the hourly. I can do the monthly package where I do everything for you. But don't you want to be the one in control of your website? Those are the kind of things I can provide you, solutions that empower you. Find out more about them on MarioRosales.net or TechLifeBalance.net. Lori Morrison is the author of The Shaman's Guide to Power Animals, a rich, insightful publication that I can't wait to talk about today. Lori is a best-selling author, inspirationalist, and mystic. You can find out all about her on her website, lorimorrison.com, which we'll have tagged on this podcast, and we welcome her now. Hi, Lori. Hi there, Cheryl. Nice to meet you, and nice to be with all your pals today. Oh, I'm so glad you could join us because I have just soaked up every bit of this book, and it really has become one of my favorites. So I can't wait to dive in. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> how did you? I'm curious how you first came into a shamanic style of path for your work. Well, I really did not have any um, any knowledge of, of shamanism. I was not at all aware of, um, you know, the the path of shamanism or if people would even do that. I was um, very much a, a, you know, business person, entrepreneur. I was living in Central America. I was working on real estate projects and things like that. And um, my husband died. And um, a year later, on my 52nd birthday, that is a date that I found out later that for the Mayans is probably one of the most important dates in our lifespan. And that is when the Gregorian calendar intersects with the Mayan calendar. And it kind of creates a portal in which those of us who are going to go through some type of spiritual awakening or transition, that's usually when it happens. And so that day I was um, out on my kind of out I lived on a lake and I was out in the lawn area and a cloud just appeared above me and started raining on me wow and um yeah it was a wow (laughs) (laughs) because I was like what is that all about (laughs) you know and I had my cook there I had had some people you know staff there and they came out and they were like senora what's going on I said I don't know So that was the first thing. And then I started seeing like these beams around the property. Like you'd see these like, you know, really strong beams of light around there. And so I, you know, we thought that was very strange. 
And then all of a sudden, one day, the entire, I guess you would call it the veil of, um, of this existence on the plane that we live on now just dropped. And I found myself um, looking at a Mayan village. And uh, of course, you know, I was scratching my head and rubbing my <laughs> eyes and saying, you know, why can I see these things? And then I had um, four jaguars appear and they started communicating with me. Wow. And um, that evening, I was told to go out to the point on my property, and I um, and thirteen um, ancestral spirits came and stood around me and asked me to lay down on the ground and told me um, that I would be initiated. And so a beam of light entered me, and for three hours I was gone from my consciousness. And when I came back, I could only um, perceive the world through a lens of sacred geometry. And I was stuck in what you would might call the fifth and fourth dimension of existence for two years. For two years? For two years, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I have uh, seen some of what you describe working with entheogens or, you know, sacred plant medicines, <laughs> mm -hmm. but never like just in my daily, okay, now I'm with the Mayans and now I'm in sacred geometry. I can't even imagine. Were you secluded during that time or were you functioning out in the world like that? Well, I tried desperately to function. Um, I, I, um, I also um, was able to speak a very ancient uh, language, which they believed was some Mayan um, so nobody really recognized it. Um, and I was so into, I had seven out-of-body experiences, so it became really difficult because I never knew if I was just floating around uh, somewhere or if I was solid on the third dimension. So it was chaos. Um, chaos ensued. <laughs> and I ended up in mental hospitals and um, everyone trying to figure out, you know, what was wrong with me when I just... I thought everything was okay. <laughs> <clears throat> and I was like, I'm just seeing stuff that you guys can't see. That's all. Exactly. And, um, but you know, that doesn't work in our world. No. So no. it, um, it got very convoluted. And, um, then finally I met, um, a wonderful mystic, um, Deborah, who was my mentor. Um, she was, she's a, probably one of the most amazing people I've met. And um, her colleague, a friend, um, was a is a Haitian shaman, come th third generation, taught by her great grandmother, and um, they could see that you know what was going on, and so they just so graciously intervened into my life at that time, and kind of worked with me for those two years to put me back together again. Wow, you know that's there's just so much wow there. I'm taking a minute to even catch up with where you are in this story. I. I think it's inspiring to us on so many levels that there can be an awakening later in life. You know, there's so many young people walking around now who are completely wide open, switched on, all their gifts flowing. And some of us woke up a lot later in life. And mm -hmm. yeah. I did too. And like you, I had somebody show up to ironically rent a room in my house at the time that I started working with the plant medicine and basically coming in and out of this realm. And I'm so glad that... He was there to anchor me, but he had a similar story where he had spent time in a mental hospital because I think when they can't understand what we're saying and doing, that's where they get put us to feel safe with us, right? They need to go get locked oh, yeah. up. <laughs> and also for us to feel safe with ourselves, you know, but I found out later that after I was in the mental hospitals that I was actually there to heal people. He says and the same because thing. I could, I could see what was going on with them. So. I um I worked with several people while I was in. In fact, people were 
were getting out while I was in there. And I kind of kept saying to the you know spirits who were working with me, I said, you know, do I get out? Or do I just stay here and keep getting all these people better? Um, and so that was, um, you know, kind of interesting. But then I did finally end up, um, someone suggested that I go to um, work with people in South America. And since I spoke fluent Spanish, it was, you know, it was easy to go. And so I went and spent a couple of weeks with a group of um, indigenous peoples in Colombia, and they worked with me. Um, but they they told me I, would, I it was one of the few people they see so dramatically fractured because most people die. Yeah. So it was very rare that I I survived it. Wow. Well, I have a similar um, instance where. I was denied ayahuasca when I took a trip to Peru and was asking for it to have the rest of my awakening or whatever, because I wasn't ready to see and feel all those things yet. And I'm very grateful that I was denied that because I think you can get so much information so fast that it does leave you broken into and people do check out. Yeah. And it became very seamless between the, the dimensional spaces because I used to walk in the kitchen and wave my arms to see if anyone could see me because I didn't know I, I could never detect if I was ethereal or if I was solid. So you had a family at this time that was with you in the house while you were going through this? I just had my cook and my housekeeper. And what were they thinking? <laughs> um, they were really, you know, it was hard on them. And, yeah. um, you know, one day, because the vibrational, you know, I was so open. Um, I, I threw away every single electronic piece of equipment that I had in my house into my swimming pool. Oh, um, except for the big screen TV, because I couldn't lift it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I literally took the I took the microwave out of the wall. Wow. And um, put everything in the pool. And they woke up the next morning and everything was floating in the pool. Oh, my gosh. And then they're looking at me like, uh, what's that all about? <laughs> and of course, you know, I couldn't, I, you know, I couldn't explain to them that I had to stop the I, I couldn't stop the vibrational energy coming into my head and the voices and everything else. And so I, um, I, I had, I had no way to, um, to manage it. I had no template. No, I, nobody, you know, I, I was Googling light beam hits person. What do you do? You know, wow. Um, you know, how do you find this? <laughs> but, you know, there was, and this was, you know, almost 10 years ago, there wasn't a lot out there. Um, but then I did, I did, I, I had a tremendous amount of empathy for the Mayan people, you know, like a thousand times more than I did just living there. And I finally met the, one of the grandfathers of the Mayan community. I brought him, it was a four hour drive from way up in the mountains. I called and asked for him to come. And of course he knew that I, you know, had, he knew why he was coming. Mm-hmm. And he got to my home and he said, um, you know, this is, this, you were supposed to live here. This is a portal. There will be much work to be done. So I did a lot of work with the spirit guides. Um, the, my whole shamanic initiation was with spirits. I did not take a class, um, although I did some work with Michael Harner's groups and um, <clears throat> some of that. But most it was all done, um, just me and these spirits, um, initiation, you know, by spirits. And um, then I was told that I had a, a very important task for 2012. And um, I spent six months working on that with them. So that's what happened. And I, I did write my memoir about the whole experience. 
Um, and um, it's 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 a page turner. <laughs> I'll be reading that next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a page turner for sure. (laughs) Well, I want to speak to your comment about initiation by spirits, because that is, I feel like the best way we can get unstuck from the repeating cycles that we're stuck in on earth is to bring in as much information as we can from the right sources outside of this place. Is that, would you agree with that? Would you have caution words with that? What would you say to that? Well, I think as long as you know the source and you're comfortable with the source, um, and that took me a while to really know what was the pure message, um, because there's a lot of um, deceitful messages that can come from any place. But after I kind of grounded and nailed it as to who was working with me and realized that I had these very high-powered um, benevolent beings who were, you know, had nothing but the best um, for the people I was working with and also for myself, when I realized that, then I I thought, well, I have a really powerful ally here to work with, in, you know, in my life, and you know, they've just done remarkable things through me um, to support, you know, my clients and people who are looking for healing and other things. So I want to refer to something that you write about in the Animal Spirit book that is so good. You talk about the shaman and. There's a lot being said about shamans right now because it's hip and trendy to be a shaman, to be on the shamanic path. Everybody's drinking ayahuasca and talking about DMT. And you come along and say, very few people attain all the aspects of the lifestyle and a true shaman is chosen by spirits and it's considered to be a curse in most tribal societies. And you talk about how it's a very selfless path of service and not as hip and trendy as everybody makes it sound. I, but you don't do it in a way that's angry or rejecting modern society. You just do it in a very loving, pure way. I appreciate you sharing that so much. Oh, thank you. Yes. You know, after this happened, I studied every kind of angle of shamanism I could because I was trying to figure out, you know, how come I knew these things? You know, how come I had this sudden knowledge of plant medicine? You know, where did that come from? And, you know, how, how did I just get these, this, just this drop in of knowledge? And so I went, I went out in the world to try to, you know, to figure that out. And um, when I did that, I, you know, got deep into the study of, you know, what, who are shamans? How do they come about? Where do they live? How do they live? You know, things like that. And I realized that, you know, that's when I got this information that I realized, you know, this is not a, this is not a weekend seminar, <laughs> you know, kind of deal. And it, it is a, it is a um, sacrifice. In fact, when I met the Tata Abuelo, who's the head of the, the Mayan there, he had 11, um, you know, young men who were studying with him. And like he said, and there were two women. And he says, you know, to them, this, they have, they have given up their entire life for yeah. this and to learn from him because most of the learning is done um, verbally, there's no books to read. And so you really make your, you know, you make a commitment and you say, okay, that's, this is what I'm going to do. So even what I do, I don't consider myself, you know, that, you know, that, that kind of effort. Um, so whatever we call it, you know, whatever degree we are of shamanism, it, it, it varies. Um, but I do know one thing is that um, a shaman is called, it's not something you sign up for. Right. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. And, 
you know, for me, at least bringing some of the shamanic perspectives into my daily life. It's not for me, I'm not here to be a shaman, but I am here to embody the the spirit essence that is in everything and the respect that they bring to all life. And that's where I think we've kind of gone astray in our modern world where we can learn a lot from just some of that lifestyle, even beyond the drumming and the ceremonies and the right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they, you know, shaman, shamans have this whole different point of view. <laughs> and it's a it's an absolutely beautiful and stunning way to live your life. And so that's where they become these great teachers is, you know, kind of unraveling all of the conditioning that we have and then going back to the natural world and seeing that we can actually have a relationship with everything around us. And, you know, when we can do that, we can live a pretty fulfilled life and, um, and we can get back to the basics. Um, but, and so it's not really becoming a shaman to, to be like that. It's just understanding the teachings of the, of a shaman to incorporate in your own life. And I, I think that this animal medicine, because a great way that anyone can start to play with being more aware of the life that shows up around us, whether we're in the city or the country, notice what's showing up, notice maybe what that's trying to say to us in terms of why am I attracting the vibration of this bird or that animal? Your book does a great, it's so straightforward. You start out talking about shamanism, upper world, middle world, lower world, the different types of power animals. I think that is even something that we should touch on here because not a lot of people know that there's a difference between like a totem and a power animal. And you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes. Um, you know, a power animal can be any living creature. So it's, it's, it can be an insect. It can be a worm. It can be whatever. Um, you know, we, we tend to think, oh, wolf and bear and things like that. In fact, honestly, some of the most, what we might think are insignificant, have some of the greatest powers. That was what I learned when I wrote the book. So, you know, you might become aware of your power animal, like if you're meditating, or you might just see it over and over, perhaps even a shaman, you know, would introduce it to you. And, and that is kind of the animal that I feel when I when I did the research on it, I felt that there was kind of always this like pr- this one animal that was present, and I believe this animal is present at birth. And indigenous communities back up that information because mostly when a child is born, they're kind of assigned or they're it's determined by the shaman what animal will be accompanying that child on its journey. Now that's not to say that the child or that person would not incorporate another animal in its journey um, because there's also animals that can come in for certain projects. If I, if I need help with um, maybe trust issues, for example, um, I might call in the gopher. So it's not going to just be my all in all the rest of my life power animal. I might call in others. And those would be just kind of the animals that you call in um, to work with during your life. We also have a totem animal. And, you know, you see the totem poles from the indigenous communities. Those were animals that were kind of the ancestral animal that gave them the name of their clan, for example, the bear clan or the, you know, the rabbit clan or whatever. Those would, they often thought that they um, kind of, um, that they came from those animals. Um, There's also power animal messengers, you know, when that moment, when a, 
bird sits on your um, shoulder. <clears throat> I've had that happen actually. Or when um, you know a, bear, a bird appears, you know what does that mean? Um, you know, one time I had I was on a walk with my dog and I had a cardinal hopping, not flying, but hopping along with me for five blocks. And, you know, that's not a normal behavior. So I def it definitely got my attention. And so I was very quick to get home and find out what that was all about. <laughs> because it just seemed odd. So if you see them, you know, acting in a kind of an uncharacteristic way, a lot of times that's a huge message. And then we also have what we I call the shadow power animal. And that is the animal that appears to bring awareness to you about something you're maybe not, you know, focusing on at that time. And that might be like the inner inner work that needs to be done. And um, so sometimes you'll read about it and you'll say, well, this isn't me right now. Well, it's trying to tell you something that that's what you need to work on. So funny, because as you were running down all these different types, I was going and there's where that shows up. And oh, that's what that is. And oh, yeah, I know who that is. <laughs> And somewhere mm-hmm. in here, you were also talking about that it can be an entire category of animals, right? Like birds can be the overarching thing and you have different birds for different things. Didn't you say something about that in the book? I, I don't remember exactly where it was, but. Yes, you know, you can have, you can call on power animals for a million different things. You know, one of my media consultants, she called me or she wrote me and she's like, Lori, my car is broke down today and I'm having all these problems. I don't know if I need a new car and all this. And I said, well, call him the camel. He's all about transportation. (laughs) He's like, oh, really? Okay, I didn't think about that. I said, yeah, call him in. And then about two hours later, she's like, okay, everything's fixed. It's all done. Got it. (laughs) Perfectly (laughs) fine. Thank you, Mr. Camel. (laughs) That's awesome. So I haven't done much work with actually calling in. Usually they show up for me. I, I get a lot of messengers, animal messengers, as it were, but not as much calling them in just from the blue like that. So how would I know what animal to call in or when to do that? Well, the book is really helpful because I organized it by the animals and their powers. And also I, I added the minerals that resonate with them. Um, and I can go into that a little further, but so you'll see all the different powers. So for example, if I'm, I can go through my book, I'm just looking through here now and it can say, um, okay, I'm looking for new beginnings. I just moved. I'm I'm looking to start start anew. Okay, so that would be crocodile. Okay, so I would uh, be I would be maybe starting my new move or maybe moving across country, or whatever. I would ask the crocodile to come on my journey with me, and then as I get started in my new community or in my new job or in my new place, I would have crocodile. I would call him in and just simply say, Crocodile, please come into my life at this time. Please work with me as I make this new beginning. Because, you know, the crocodile, um, these are the actual um, phrases. I I asked each animal, I said, give me a kind of a quote for humanity. And they channeled it through me. And the crocodile was about linking renewal with dissolution. And the crocodile says, I can assure safe passage into the lower world, which is the lower world of the shaman, and it's a fertile place for creation. So when you're trying to create a new life or something. The crocodile is also very good for people who are having mental um, health issues. 
Um, and so that would be included here because it's very, it's very help and helpful in letting go of things. And when, you know, mental health issues, a lot of times are just too much stuff in your head that you can't get rid of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too much yes. mind and not enough of the rest of the wheel, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Everything's spinning around. So you can call crocodile and they'll be very, it's very good. It's crocodiles also, um, it says like the awareness is to stop clinging to the shore jump in and trust the river to take you where you need to go. Um, Or you've had some very rational thinking and you need to get organized with your thinking. So you can use them like that. And, and the word power is, is not an exaggeration. It is extremely powerful to work with these spirits. Um, You know, my, my whole initiation, my whole venture into this world I was taught by four jaguars and 13 ancestral spirits. And there's no class on my planet (laughs) that could have done that. And, you know, I I tell this story about when I was writing the book and I needed to find an apartment or or a new new place to live, a new uh, home in in, um, Sedona, which is very difficult. It's very, very hard to find a place to rent here. And I had my pets and everything. And so I got my book out and I looked and said, mouse, it's great for finding a house. <laughs> and so I got, I called the mouse in. I said, all right, mouse, you are going to find me a place. And within 15 minutes, I was, I had a place to live. Wow. Just driving around. I found a house. It had a little sign on it written in like a little felt pen. And it was that, <laughs> you know, non, um, I would have never found it looking online. And um, it was the perfect place and talked to the owner and, and she's like, sure, I don't mind the pets. And I had my, you know, they had them with me so they could see what they look like. And um, I had my house. That's such a great story, not only for how we can work with our power animals, with their spirits, but just in general, how easy life can be. Like we make it so much work. And it really can be in synchronistic flow. And I'm still discovering that at new levels every day where I'm working way too hard at something that doesn't need to be so difficult. If we can just begin to harmonize more with all that's around us. Yes. And, you know, you know, to get the bigger picture, you know, birds are great about that. I mean, eagles and um, hawks, you know, they fly so high and they can just zero in on the target. You know, so whatever you're looking for, I, you know, I, I, I've had them help find some, like um, if you if I lost my jewelry, I have the blue jays because they will actually steal shiny objects. <laughs> so I'm like, OK, I can't find, you know, where is this? I'm like, blue jay, get in here. I got, can't find my earring. <laughs> you know, so I, I use them in that way. And, and I tell you, it's it's always very powerful. It's I never I'm never disappointed. I they always show up and they always work with me. That is so cool. And I can tell just by your energy that you, you appreciate them and show gratitude back, which I think is important too. We need to say thank you more and and ask for the help and then appreciate it when it shows up. Yes. Like for example, when the mouse found my house, then I I took some cheese outside and put some, you know, honored some um, little pieces of cheese outside to the mouse community. So, you know, it it is that, it is that gratitude, that appreciation of nature, something that we don't have, you know, we've lost our, we've lost touch with that. You know, the indigenous peoples used to sit around and, and, and have conversations about, you know, why the raccoon was so clever. (laughs) 
you know, just like we might sit around and talk about somebody like, you know, it's really interesting what this guy did. <laughs> well, they would do the same thing, but they would talk about animals because they were their family. Yeah. And they would, in fact, <clears throat> indigenous people call them brothers and sisters. They don't call them raccoons. They'll, they'll call it brother raccoon. Oh, I love that. Because it's part of the family. So, you know, and they used animals to teach their kids, you know, different lessons. Um, you know, they would they would say, okay, now you here's how here's what how the coyote acts. Now, the, the kids would learn about you know behaviors, you know, through the coyotes' behaviors. Um, so there was a lot of very interesting ways that we used animals to understand survival. It was a big one for the indigenous communities. You know, look at how the the mountain lion survives. You know, that they were huge teachers. Yes, they are. I want to just say again how impressed I am with the layout of your book. It's it's a book that I got, and I, literally the first day I looked up an animal, and it was in two seconds I was reading about it's The animals are in alphabetical order. Everything is very clear about them. On each animal, there's like the top three things that they're known for. I just flipped to rabbit, vulnerability, creation, and abundance. There's a quote channeled by rabbit. And then there's properties about the rabbit. And on some of them... There are the powers, the awarenesses, the energy center, the mineral, the element. I mean, you've really done a comprehensive job on all these animals. And then at the back of the book, you've got an alphabetical chart that lists what the different powers are and what the minerals are for all the animals as like a quick go-to guide. It's very, very user-friendly. Thank you for making a book that I can actually pick up and find what I'm looking for when I need it. Well, yeah, that was kind of my problem because I, you know, I've, I've worked with animal spirits a lot. And I said, you know, I just want a book where I can just pull it off the shelf and go, okay, I just saw, like someone just wrote to me yesterday that they just saw a weasel. And and they're and they like, I haven't seen this weasel for, you know, like months, years. <laughs> and now the weasel shows up. And they said it was so great because I could just go over to my shelf and pull out and say, What's, what does that mean? And she was saying it was just so profound at that moment. I was the information she needed at that exact moment was what the weasel had to say. Exactly. Timing yeah. is so important on that stuff. And nothing against Ted Andrews. I am so grateful for the Ted Andrews books that have been my companions since I first discovered animal medicine. And I'm crazy about animal medicine, by the way. It's not just the shamanic. <laughs> I do this every day. You could Anybody could ask Mario. I'm like, well, now there's a deer in my yard. Guess what I need to be working on or what I'm what they're showing me. And and it's nice to have something that's so user-friendly and comprehensive. And so now I've got all three of them together and, and I, I refer between all of them. But one thing that I think is important about animal medicine is these readings are great and they're excellent prompts and they're so insightful, but then there's usually something a little more that comes through just for us. If we use them as a prompt to go into the space and ask for more, we can find out more about what that animal wanted to say to us. It's kind of a great way to open the door and start listening, I guess, is what I mean to say. Yes. And, you know, that was what was what was interesting about this book, because, you know, I went through the normal research of, you know, what they're like and their characteristics and what they do. And, I, you know, I wanted I wanted very much to get the indigenous take. In other words, I want people to know what did the Incas think of this animal or you know, what did the Mayans think and what was their... Um, take on it. And most of the information that I got came from art history of all places. <laughs> because all of the pots, all of the, the, you know, the glyphs and things, that's where we found out about their the uh, meaning of animals to these those people. 
Um, in Egypt, for example, King Tut was buried with a donkey. You know, why? Um, so a lot of this, you know, came up through some of the artwork, which was kind of fun to kind of venture out into that. And then at the end of the, each page, I, the animals would come in as I was writing about them. And I could sense their energy. I could sense their kind of interest in sharing with me. Had some pretty remarkable experience. One time um, the ostrich merged with me and I couldn't get the ostrich out. <laughs> that, was very, <laughs> that was an interesting day. <laughs> um, so, they, you know, they, they merged with me a lot and they wanted to share. There was a, there was a lot of openness and, sh- and wanting to share to, you know, with humanity. So the, la- you know, the, the third, the last third of each animal is their actual message for us. So it's not coming from me, it's coming from them. And I think that gave it that, that deeper and more profound um, sense of, of, of what that animal truly means. And a lot of times they were telling me things that didn't make sense to me, but I tried to be as authentic as I could as to, to their message so that, because I knew it was going to mean something to somebody. Well, I tell you what, I've looked up several animals now. I've probably used a good fourth of the book. <laughs> On personal experience, and it has not disappointed one time. I get covered with goosebumps. I'll be drawn to tears. It's like, wow, this is so exactly what's going on with me right now and what I needed to hear. I have to go back before I lose track of it. Why was King Tut buried with a donkey? (laughs) Well, people don't know, but but, donkeys were extremely revered. And, you know, donkey was one of my my favorite animals. in the book I mean they were all wonderful but donkey was especially interesting to me because it was such a it was such a a stabilizing force um you know they'll always if you have you know horses they'll always be a donkey you know in a in a um in a farm or or ranch they'll always have the donkey and the donkey was, was, was about humility and you know, there. Um, you know, what the donkey said to me was, "Be kind to those who carry the burden of your innocence and ignorance, as they walk with you through the peaks and valleys of your personal discovery." And they just—they do take on the burden of, of, of so many things, and you know, they can also help us with our own burdens. And I just found them to be, um, you know, to be ex- extremely calming. Um, very, very calming creature and very, hum- you know, a lot of humility and also extremely patient. Thank um, you for that share. I just, I just recognize that I definitely want to call in some donkey with what's going on in my life right now. So that was just perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I felt, I felt with the King Tut thing, I, I felt that it was about humility. Um, that was my own, you know, personal feeling about it. It had something to do with humility. So it's kind of interesting. But, you know, what I what I did, too, is, you know, a lot of people, you know, were calling me and saying, you know, Lori, what's my power animal? What was my power animal when I, when I was born? And, uh, well, you know, that's a process that takes, you know, a shaman, you can take upwards to an hour, even more, to go through those ceremonies. And so what I, what I did was I'm working with a program that was um, designed in Europe. It's, a, it's extremely... Um, um, fascinating, um, based on scalar energy, the old Tesla theory of things. And what it does is I'm able to program 
a person into, in other words, your birth date, your birthplace, and your name that you most resonate. And I can actually find you, your energetic footprint on a field. And then I can ask the field to determine what animal was present at your birth. Had the, you know, what animal had the highest level of energy at your birth? And um, I may, I take all the animals and I scan them against your uh, energetic footprint and I see what pops up. Oh, that's and cool. then I use my own intuition to say, okay, yes, that feels right. That, you know, that feels like that was the animal there so that I'm not having to go through this hour ceremony <laughs> that I would normally do. And so it shortens the period of time in which I'm able to extract that information. And then of course I, at that moment, I work with that animal and I say, I would like to, you know, reveal this animal to this person. And of course, they're always um, grateful for my, through me asking. And then I send that information out. <clears throat> so that's a service that they can find on your website if they get mm-hmm. this book and they really want to know more about their specific animal. Right. And sometimes it's extremely um, surprising. Like, for example, my mother, who's 84, says, oh, you've written this book and blah, blah, blah. And I say, yeah. She says, what's my power animal? So I told her it was the earthworm. And she was like, Lori, you just wrote a book about all these amazing (laughs) animals and and you're giving me the earthworm? I said, that's it. And so um, it's been, it took her a while, but she sat down, she sat with it, she read about it and she says, you know, I can see why this was my companion on my life journey. Um, Because one of the things is uh, the earthworm has five hearts. And my mother has four children and a husband. She's been married to for 63 years. Wow. Five hearts. So there were a lot of you know comparisons with her. And now she just has totally embraced the earthworm and thinks the earthworm is the greatest thing, you know, <laughs> that she, um, you know, she can have. So that's why I say some of the most some some of what we think is insignificant can have the most powerful meanings. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for all this, Sharon. I've really enjoyed talking about the animals. So one time I was looking for my animal message and I was looking for pill bugs or roly polies and I couldn't find anything anywhere. So I actually wrote a blog on my website about roly poly animal medicine. And that has been to date of all the stuff I've shared about (laughs) healing trauma, about Peru, about everything. That's the thing that everybody finds and reads. It's so funny. (laughs) So I know yeah, you've I got mean, a market. I think, I think we know this, you know, because, you know, like I, I had some, um, did some other interviews and stuff and everyone tells me like, this was the most downloaded interview I've ever done in the last <laughs> five years. And, and I think we know this exists for us. Yeah. There's something inside of us that knows that we are connected to an animal in some way. And, yes. and so when this comes up for somebody, it's like, wait, I gotta, I gotta download that. I know inside there's something there. You know, I had someone who, um, I gave, I told her what her power animal was and, and the, you know, she signed up for it and I told her it was a cougar and she wrote back to me immediately and she said, oh my God, Lori, she said, I had a friend come over five years ago and hand me a painting of a cougar and said, I think this is yours. <laughs> and she said, I've had it hanging over my bed for five years. Now you tell me it's a cougar. Of course, I've never met her. I don't even never been in her home. I don't, you know, don't even know where she lives. And, um, and so there is that innate sense that we're connected to something. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I've had people where I've given them the power animals and they, they'll send me the pictures of the animal that they tattooed and they don't, and I, they didn't know why <laughs> pick that animal, <laughs> you know, so that validation sometimes through a shamanic process can be very helpful because it's like, wow, I have, I've had this companion with me all these years and I haven't really developed a relationship with it. And I should probably be doing that because I could use certainly the powers and intelligence of that creature. Absolutely. I think anybody that isn't working with their power animals and their animal messengers is missing an entire realm of interpreting the world that is available to us at some level, any of us, because we've all got birds in the trees. We've all got a little patch of grass, even if it's the one that the city council mandated they put in the property when they plowed it all up. We've all got some little piece of nature that we can get to that is beaming with life that's founded and is thriving there and wants to communicate with us. And then in the spiritual realm, of course, we can always call in these animals. So thank you, thank you, thank you for raising our awareness with your Shaman's Guide to Power Animals. I love your book. Well, you know, it's funny because I, I, now that I'm you know, so, so aware of it, when I'm scrolling on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, there was like one day I saw like 15 kangaroos. <laughs> So I'm like, all right, there's something about a kangaroo I got to find. So, I mean, you can even you can even get the messages through technology. Oh, that's you know, perfect. You, you don't have to be on your backyard and wait for a kangaroo to pop over the fence. <laughs> yes. So it's, um, it's, it's everywhere. They're, they, they can get to you um, in many ways. And um, it's surprising all, all the time to see how that happens. Yes. Pay attention to your dreams because they show up there. Too. Mm -hmm. That's another great place. Yeah. Well, Lori, I've thoroughly enjoyed the talk as I knew I would. And I ask all my guests as we wrap up, if there's a parting thought that you would like to leave our listeners with today. Well, I think I'm just going to open the page randomly to the book. And I'm going to ask the, all the books, all the animals in this book to tell me who needs what message we need to leave today. Okay, I'm gonna. I've got the mosquito. <laughs> and I always, when someone gets a mosquito, I'm always like, oh boy, I'm in trouble. <laughs> but the mosquito is about persistence, focus, and awareness. And the mosquito, mosquito says to us today, we understand that blood is life, and it is what cleans and nourishes the body. It is the vital highway to health. Wow. All that from the tiny mosquito and, you know, people slap at them and kill them when they, when they sting and don't think anything about the message they might be bringing. So that was a perfect animal. Mm -hmm. And with the 4th of July coming up, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll save a few mosquitoes this time. <laughs> Most of the work I do is through medical intuitive work. And the first place that I go to, cl to clear, clear up someone is the circulatory system. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's a very profound message from the mosquito. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Lori. And again, website is lorimorrison.com. The book we've been talking about is The Shaman's Guide to Power Animals. Lori, I can't wait to read your other books. And I hope our listeners will check out your book and your site and get in touch with you. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It's been a pleasure to be with you and all your friends today. Oh, it's been our pleasure too. And listener, let us know what you think. Contact us info at journeyofpossibilities.com. And do me a favor, show us some support. You can do that at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. Even if you can't support us financially, show us some love, rate the show so others will find us. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next week on Exploring Possibilities.